Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc., You don't know what to expect, but now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies, and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and (laughs) my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort. 
from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Hey, Dusty. Yes, sir. ¿Qué pasó, güey? What do you say we go to the pit? Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Today is Thursday. You know what that means. It is this week in Bachelor Nation. You're going to hear some screams from deep within the pit. You're going to hear some analysis of parasocial plays of some of our favorite players. You're going to hear Bachelor Nation news, of course. But as you know, before any of that, we are going to get into the state of the world. We are going to tell you about something that is happening out there in the broader world, and we're going to tell you how it is related to The Bachelor. This is Game of Roses. State of the world. This state of the world, I brought to clues this week. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. That did not go into his, somehow didn't break into his uh, media consumption. But let's just say it broke into my media consumption heavily. And that is the new album released by Gen Z superstar Olivia Rodrigo. She is known for her roles on Disney Channel in Bizarre Dvark and the Disney Plus series High School Musical, the musical, the series. But she just released an album and it is topping all the charts. It is breaking records. It is a phenomenon. Now look, I'm aware of Olivia Rodrigo, okay? I'm not saying I listen to her music. I have heard a couple of songs on YouTube because I know she is a cultural phenomenon. But let me ask you this. Would you say she is like the voice of a generation? Is she that level or is she just a big pop star? I think she could be. Okay. She's broken records, like, and she's 18 years old. Like, this is incredible. She has described herself as the biggest... Taylor Swift fan in the whole mm. world, which I would argue with because I think it might be me, but oh. there's definitely a heavy Taylor Swift vibe about Sour, this new album. And I've listened to it a lot. And Taylor Swift for sure is the voice of millennial generation. She's a voice of the generation. Who would talk? I her? mean, like. The musical voice, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean in music. Like, always in music, there's kind of the voice of the generation, some kind of musical movement that they define it or whatever. Like, for my generation, for example, that person is Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of Nirvana. Mm. Easily the voice of Gen X. Musically, I mean. Prior to that, you're looking at, like, you know, Michael Jackson was the king of pop in the 80s. He was the most influential musical artist alive. Prior to that, you're going back to like Jim Morrison was the voice of kind of the 60s free love movement. Prior to that, you got Elvis, Beatles, shit like that. Is she on that level or is she just a big pop star? Time will tell. But (laughs) I mean, like, I think the biggest millennial people are probably Taylor Swift, probably Beyonce, I would say, is like a millennial artist, Drake. Drake is big. Um, 
But right now we have Billie Eilish for the Gen Zers, but Olivia Rodrigo coming in hot. When you say that, like, you listen to this album and stuff, I understand that some of these YouTube videos have 100 plus million views. The one, the, I forget what it's called, the one where she's driving around the neighborhood talking about the ex boyfriend. Driver's license. Driver's license. That one has like 122 million views on YouTube. Obviously, it's super successful. I have no interest in it whatsoever. I have listened to the songs. They're very good. They do not hold my interest at all. And it brings to my mind this idea. You are not 18. (laughs) It's correct. (laughs) But the reason that this is like a cultural moment is... A lot of millennials are into Olivia Rodrigo, and there's all these memes going around about how it's it's like all these memes that are the caption is like millennials listening to Sal or to Olivia Rodrigo, and it's all these like very old people, very uncool. It they're very funny. <laughs> Do you feel like you are too old to be listening to it? No, I'm still very young. Okay, I was just making sure, <laughs> but. You know, I also still watch TV shows that are about high school. I watch Riverdale, Dawson's Creek, etc. Um, and I think millennials are generally, and I mean probably every generation is, but they're very into nostalgia. And I think that's a lot of what this is. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Sure. This has for me brought up the idea of you and I, and kind of our Venn diagram of interests because we have a couple uh, that overlap, but not many. Yeah. And for me, Olivia yeah, Rodrigo is like, okay, Lizzie is listening to this fucking album like a hundred times a day. It's consuming her life. <laughs> I've heard two songs off of it one time a piece, you know, like that's it. And that's as much as I'm ever going to do. It's not for me. This is okay. not music Clues. that I like. Yeah. Clues, by the way, right before this recording, listened to Good For You for the first time and he loved it. He was bopping his head around. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good songs. I'm not saying it's not. It's not something I would ever listen to for pleasure. It doesn't interest me. Have you ever listened to Taylor Swift for pleasure? No. Yeah, I mean, then I wouldn't expect you to. I have heard almost all of her stuff. Mm. At least once. It's hard not to. This idea of... You and me live in two separate worlds completely in terms of our media consumption, except for Pokemon Go and The Bachelor. <laughs> and that is it. <laughs> and that's our overlap. That's, that's our, our Venn diagram. Crossover? Yes. <laughs> that might be true. And so then I it mean... becomes this idea, how we relate Olivia Rodrigo and our individual media tastes and how they don't overlap how we relate that back to the bachelor is what is it about the fucking bachelor that for someone like you and someone like me is Mm -hmm. a fucking obsession we have no other it it is yes well clearly that's true it's been on the air for 20 plus years i remember when it started i was roughly 21 two three somewhere in there just out of college and that first wave of reality shows at least modern ones were coming out survivor big brother bachelor all the early 2000 shit Yes. yes and i remember watching it i didn't care about the relationships in it i have no emotional connection to any of the people in it or any of the relationships mm-hmm. what fascinated me about all of this shit including bachelor was this psychological experiment i am watching rats in a maze and it's on 
network television and they have like coca-cola ford and crest ads in the middle of it and i was just blown away like is no one seeing what we're doing here we're torturing people for our entertainment and then later like hunger games and shit comes out and you're like yeah that was obviously clearly influenced by reality television that like we're waiting to see people either have sex or die on television that is like what those shows were about and that's what fascinated me I think I do like the psychological experiment element of it for sure. But I also think that they are interesting in just like the human element in that these characters, they're so wild that you can't even make this shit up. That's how I feel like watching like 90 Day Fiance, for instance, Mm. which is another like very cringe reality show. But it is... reality tv has gotten this bad rap it has this stereotype that it's like trash tv like it's less worthy of your time than other tv even even though it's like it's what you choose for entertainment and for me i do kind of see them as documentaries of a sort Mm -hmm. i don't know why documentaries have gotten this great hollowed name and my reality shows are labeled as trash the bottom the garbage the poop well we've talked multiple times on this podcast about how reality tv is the most accurate reflection of contemporary american culture it gave us president donald trump he's a reality television show host that ran the fucking country into the ground for four years so oh yeah i love his website (laughs) but we're in this era where reality tv can't be considered just some frivolous guilty pleasure trash tv whatever it's giving us cultural icons people who are shifting thought even like somebody like rachel Lindsay, Mm -hmm. let's say for example i believe she's instrumental really in certainly what happened within the show in terms of chris harrison and the interview and all that kind of stuff but even on a broader level what she does with van lathan on higher learning there are people coming out of at least the bachelor but certainly all of reality television who are now ascending to positions of extreme power even all the way to the fucking white house uh Mm -hmm. so i don't think that it can be viewed as like frivolous anymore but i mean jillian harris is in the canadian white house basically exactly and I just thought it was it was interesting when you start bringing up Olivia Rodrigo, and I know it's the biggest album, and she's breaking all these records, and culturally that is important. But I'm like, that shit does not penetrate my circle of the Venn diagram between yeah. you and me, you know, at I all. I mean, <laughs> at the same time, I think part of the broad appeal of The Bachelor is that it's like it's dating stories, and it's something everyone can relate to. Well, most everyone, most people date yeah some people and they can relate most people can relate to heartbreak and that is a huge thing that huge theme of olivia rodrigo's work um by the way another thing on our venn diagram is vanderpump rules oh yeah i used to watch that and i never got as into it as you are and i fell out somewhere maybe like two or three years ago (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) i know i don't dare challenge the throne but uh that is that is a pit that's like I know everything about those people and those well those characters and mm-hmm. everything that they do and it's not my job. I feel more guilt about that pit. 
I feel no guilt about any of the pits that I'm in. But congratulations to Olivia Rodrigo, the voice of Gen Z, maybe. Certainly she's shattering all these records. <laughs> and I hope that you and all of her fans enjoy what she does. It's not going to get into my Venn diagram. I'm just not going to listen to it. My apologies. Driver's license broke Spotify's record twice for most daily streams ever for a non-holiday song with over 15.7 million global streams on January 11th and seven, over 17 million the next day. I've heard the song. It's, it's a fine song. But also, you know, she is just kind of the next evolution of this like Disney star turned pop star turned actor. We've seen it time and time again. This was Britney Spears in my era. This was Justin Timberlake in my era. Well, Zach Efron Spears too. is from uh, Disney, right? Isn't he High School Musical? Yes, the original. Um, so, you know, we've seen it time and time again. And Olivia Rodrigo is part of that lineage now, part of that legacy. Right. She certainly had the the platform to make something like this happen. And I'm sure got a lot of help, but even Miley Cyrus. <sighs> Wasn't Hannah Montana a Disney show? Yeah, Disney Channel. So there you go. Turning children into pop stars since nineteen ninety something. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Game of Roses for your hard facts. <laughs> We're about to deliver those hard facts. But that's our state of the world. We've got a new gigantic pop star who's come out of this Disney franchise channel, which, by the way, owns ABC, which, by the way, puts on a little TV show called The Bachelor. It's all one and the same. Are we going to see Olivia Rodrigo performing at one of the one-on-one dates for Katie Thurston's season? Probably not. But that's our state of the world. Pace Case and I have a strange Venn diagram, two worlds that are seemingly polar opposite, except where The Bachelor and Pokemon Go are concerned. (laughs) And now... More on Pokemon Go to come. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get to it. To get to the Pokemon Go news, first, we have to get to all the news that has happened this week in our beloved nation. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, history is being made down under. The Bachelor... Good day, Sheila's. The Bachelor (laughs) has been franchised out to 37 different countries since its premiere in America on March 25th, 2002. And for the first time ever in Australia... Our beloved game is going to feature a pansexual bachelorette who will preside over a dating pool of both men and women. Brooke Blurton, a 26-year-old from Perth with 233,000 Instagram followers, will also be the first indigenous lead in the Australian game's history. Blurton entered the game in 2017 on the sixth season of The Australian Bachelor, where she was eliminated in third place by bachelor Nick Cummins, an Australian rugby player who goes by the moniker Honey Badger and has 451,000 Instagram followers. Blurton also put in a season on The Australian Bachelor in Paradise, and throughout the series, she has been 
open and vocal about her sexuality. The Australian game has a history of groundbreaking alterations to the format, including the most recent season of The Bachelorette, featuring two sisters as dual bachelorettes dating from the same player pool. We wish Brooke Blurton good luck in her upcoming season, which we hope will be successful enough to have the American producers asking themselves if perhaps the time is right for a similar progressive casting move stateside. I am very excited about this season. I'm definitely going to watch it if I can. I need to figure out some way to do that. But I mean, this is something that I think everybody in the nation has openly mused about at least mm-hmm. one time or another what would happen if they had a player pool with both men and women. And now we're going to see what that does. I mean, are there going to be players that start uh, having romantic interest in one another? How will that affect the dynamic of the mm-hmm. entire show? How will that be handled? Is there a possibility that she gets down the road and the final two players are a man and a woman? I can't wait to watch. I'm so curious at all the different iterations. Um, and I think that if we can get it high enough in the ratings, maybe we can see a similar thing here. By the way, if you are a player going on this season, it is an excellent, excellent opportunity to just pair off with someone else in the player pool, leave as a couple. Everyone will follow you because that will be groundbreaking in itself if anyone in australia is listening who's going to go on the show dm me i have a million (laughs) experimental strategies including a if you do get down to a, a final two and it's a man and a woman there's a possible experimental strategy that's like look brooke i understand you love us both and i'm willing to enter into a throuple And then that puts the onus on the other player. If the other player doesn't accept that, you're going to win that ring because you're open and available for whatever Brooke wants. It's about that kind of love. What does she want? What does she need? If the other player denies that, they're out and you're in. I'm just saying. She she pulls a Charlie O'Connell and she's like, I think I need to date the last two people for a few months before I make this decision. (laughs) Maybe. I'm just like, I'm so fascinated by this. What is going to happen on, for example, a forced violence group date? Are they going to have men and women fighting each other, wrestling Hmm. each other, playing rugby against each other? It'll be men versus women. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, maybe. I don't fucking know. I think they'll probably adjust the dates. Maybe you have co-ed teams versus each other. And if it's like boxing, you probably only have women hitting women. Well, that's another thing, though. Like when they start to do the group dates, are they going to have her go out in a group date? And is that like, let's say it's eight players. Is it going to be four guys, four girls? Or is it going to be all dudes Mm -hmm. or all women? Like, I, I just don't know what they're going to do. And I am fascinated to watch the construction of this season, the yes. mechanics behind it, what the producers are thinking in any given situation. Are the rooms co-ed? Are they not? Do they still try to separate it by gender? God, I know. I, I know. I'm just like, I'm blown away by the, all the permutations of this. I cannot wait for it. Congratulations to Brooke Blurton for making history. Yeah. Like I said. Hope I can watch this somehow. We got to figure out a way to watch fucking Australian yeah. TV now. <laughs> oh, God. DM okay. clues for instructions on how we can possibly watch this. Yeah. 
But this is incredibly exciting. Speaking of progressive casting, our next item of Bachelor Nation news involves the fate of the disgraced host of the franchise, Chris Harrison. He was the subject of an Us Weekly interview with BIP royalty Jade and Tanner Tolbert this week. Both members of the couple issued support for Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow as co-hosts of the upcoming season 17 of The Bachelorette, expressing their belief that the two former Bachelorettes will do well. But Tanner was quick to point out that he believes the ratings for this season would be down without Chris Harrison to reprise his familiar role as the face of the franchise. As we've seen this past year, Players have more influence and power than ever in our beloved game, especially where Chris Harrison's role in the franchise as it moves forward is concerned. We have seen support from several high-profile players for Harrison in the comments on some of his recent Instagram posts, and here again in this on-camera interview with BIP's most revered couple. As we approach the first season in history, that will not be hosted by Harrison. The question still seems to be very much on the minds of players and journalists alike. Is he gone forever? I liked in this interview, it seemed like Tanner is really going for this. And he's like, I really support CH. Like, people are really going to want to see him. And Jade's like, but we also support the women host. She's like, shut up, Tanner. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they were both, I feel like they were both kind of like, yes, Tasha and Caitlin are great. We miss Chris Harrison, Mm. though. And his name keeps being mentioned in shit like this. He is, like, that question of if he's going to come back or not seems to be ever-present, especially as we're now about to watch Mm -hmm. this first season, that he's not going to fucking be in it at all. Looking forward to it. I know. I am, too. There's a lot of interesting shit happening right now in the nation. Speaking of things that are gone forever, Listen to Your Heart is in the news this week. Standout Listen to Your Heart alum, Rudy Gutierrez turned in an incredible performance of the American National Anthem on a national stage to kick off the second NBA playoff game between the Clippers and the Mavericks at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. This high-profile appearance gave Gutierrez the chance to show off her outstanding vocal talents to perhaps the biggest audience of her career with 2.64 million viewers tuning in to watch the Mavericks beat the Clippers, 127 to 121. Dallas leads Los Angeles two games to zero. Gutierrez posted a clip of her performance to her IGTV that drew supportive comments from the likes of Becca Kufrin, Mike Johnson, fellow Listen to Your Heart player Julia Ray, Olivia Caridi, Bachelor expert Brett Vergara, and even musical artist Caitlin Bristow slash goat. Congrats to Rudy on her stellar performance, and we hope to see more Listen to Your Heart players seeing the opportunity to put their talent on display in the near future. Congrats to Rudy. This was a big deal, and she nailed it. She killed it. This was great to see. And, you know, the Listen to Your Heart is always going to occupy an interesting place for me because there are... (laughs) Players that came from it that, you know, at least for me, made a lasting impression. And I like to see them continue to move through the world, having successes. We just, I mean, Mike Johnson is now, it seems like, firmly entrenched in the Listen to Your Heart pool of players. (laughs) He's in their music videos. He's commenting on their shit. So, I don't know. Congratulations to Rudy. I thought this was fantastic. I love seeing it. I We saw... I can't remember whose Instagram stories it was. It was some of the listen to your heart people performing live on stage. And I was like, 
oh my god we could go see them perform actually in real life that thought had never been possible to me because we've only seen them in quarantine and like live music doesn't exist i saw that as well it was in nashville i think right danny padilla was there yeah yeah, yeah i saw that and a couple of listen to your heart players yeah, yeah. We well we'll have to we'll keep an eye open for anything that's happening in la uh i'm not going to nashville no offense <laughs> Speaking of talent oh on display, God. this week saw the release of even more promos for the upcoming season 17 of The Bachelorette, the most recent of which gave us the best glimpse yet of some of the players who will be making their debuts in just over a week's time. Blake Moynes makes his first appearance in an official Bachelorette piece of media as he stands under Thurston's balcony with a radio above his head in the style of John Cusack from Say Anything a movie that came out in 1989. <laughs> At 32 years old, the film is older than both Moines and Thurston. The promo also features motivational speaker Carl Smith revealing in an ITM that he is there for the followers, and it also features a battery of familiar shots that the franchise uses in the promotion of almost every season in recent memory. A lot of kissing, tears, we get our ambulance, and the Bachelorette herself seemingly leaving the show altogether in a moment showing Thurston storming off while demanding a flight be booked for her to return home. This season seems, at least from this promo, to have everything we could possibly expect for what we hope is the last season to be shot in a COVID bubble. Holy shit, I love this trailer. I mean, we just did our player breakdowns, by the way. If you guys haven't checked those out, that's our most two recent Tuesday episodes. But the turn of Carl Smith choosing to take on a villain role. I did not see that coming. Oh, God, it's beautiful. I, this is what I'm hopeful for. Let me just say my wishes. Let me speak them into the air and see if they materialize. Uh-huh. Manifest. I hope Carl Smith is saying this fucking shit in ITMs like, I'm here for the, pl- for the followers. I'm a player. I'm going to fucking win this mm-hmm. whole goddamn game. And then when he's out in the player pool or with Katie Thurston, <gasps> none of that is there. That he oh is. Oh, my God. Pure manipulation. That's what I'm hoping for from Carl. Please deliver. I also Look, thought it was... He wouldn't be the first player to do it. Mm-hmm. If you'll... Maybe you don't remember, but Ashley Hebert's season, there was a player named Bentley who seemed like a sociopath, and he mm. did this, where his ITMs were like, I'm not really into her. I don't think she's that attractive. And then he like charms the shit out of her when Ooh. they're interacting, and she's like I don't, in love with him. I don't think I ever saw her season. When we do the the Bachelor at Hyperbinge, we'll. It's a good. I'll one. get there. They're, they're rough on on Ashley. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting in this promo. They're just giving us Blake Moines, like that yeah. cat's out of the fucking bag. They're not trying to keep that a secret at all. He Is was he not not in the box. What's the box? There's a mysterious. What? What do you? Oh, mean? that present? No, that's not him. Oh. That's been confirmed. I forget who that player is, but it's not him. They have put in the ABC bios for the players, they have a little icon with each of their faces and their names, and then there is one with a box with just question marks as the name. Yeah, so they're trying something there that's going to fail. That's just a night one uh, limo exit. That's a grandy. Uh, this Blake Moynes thing is something different. He co- it could be a night one curveball, but I don't think so. I think he's going to come in like in a later episode, but they're not even... Mm. 
attempting to keep that a secret at this point. His face is in the fucking thing. She goes, Blake! She says his fucking name <laughs> in it. Do you think they had met before? Um, uh, It's possible. It's possible. Can we again PP situation? It's possible. Well, Blake Moynes also met Flanagan, by the way. Don't forget. They sat next to each other in an airplane oh, when she was flying out to do the March, end of March, end of uh, PP season 24. She sat next to Moynes and he was flying out to do the first night one, the Phantom Night One. Anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Oh, <laughs> this promo was fantastic. Good to hear that we haven't let that go. <laughs> I don't let anything go. Once it gets in the trap, it's in the trap. I don't let it out. The information is used to build a vast picture of everything that happens within the nation uh, because it all relates. It all has some effect on each other. It is all connected. It is all connected. That's true. But congrats to the producers for turning out this promo. They're they're now Mm -hmm. issuing a promo basically every day, whether it's the new pictures of Katie Thurston in her pink outfit against the blue background or it's this where they're actually giving us like a trailer of the upcoming season they're just turning it out now day after day leading into what is we have about a week left little more than until we are watching (laughs) night one season 17 i just can't believe it it's like every time a new fucking season comes out i always get this same fucking feeling of like oh shit it's Mm -hmm. starting again i can't believe it our Venn diagram is sizzling. <laughs> a little sliver. That's right. It's getting excited. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Speaking of Kelly Flanagan, she is in the news this week for her appearance on the Chicks in the Office podcast. Flanagan spoke openly about her time on the show, delving into how producers played a part in her experience in game and going into great detail about her subsequent 11 month relationship with Bachelor. Peter P.P. Weber after the show. Her less than flattering explanation of why their relationship ultimately ended prompted P.P. himself to release his own rebuttal on the podcast he hosts with former season 15 player Dustin Kendrick. Weber maintained that their relationship was primarily positive and he wishes nothing but happiness and success for Flanagan. Flanagan's explanation of their breakup was one of the most talked about events of the week, which only proves that even more than a year after the conclusion of the first season of The Professional Era, Weber and Flanagan are still at the forefront of the hive mind of the nation. I listened to both podcasts. I thought Kelly Flanagan was dishing some stuff. She gets a little bit into like producer manipulation, how the show worked and how that affected their relationship. And then she really goes into like what she feels were the the problematic aspects of their relationship and why they broke up. She's a little harsh on PP. Hmm. And then I really thought when we saw on PP's IG that he was going to come out with a rebuttal, I was like, this is it. This is the Ides of March. It's all about to happen right now. That was not the case. He was kind of taking the high road. Like his entire piece of that uh, podcast that they put out, which was, he maybe talked about it for 35, 40 minutes, something like that. It was all just very nice. Complimentary of Kelly, complimentary of the relationship, taking that high road, saying he wishes her nothing but success and happiness. And he was kind of, he was taken off guard by her statements. That's about as much tea as you get out of that segment that he did. So, you know, on one hand, I was a little disappointed, a little sad to not hear a little bit more about this. On the other hand, 
fucking good play by PP. This is how you handle shit like this. You say, I heard what you said, and now here's what I have to say. You're great. Thanks for your time. I'm moving on. He is, I thought, it's really smart play. completely smart, very adept in terms of how to handle this and not keep digging the hole. It's like, fine, mm-hmm. you can take your shots. I'm going to dodge them and move on. Uh, Getting Cozy with Erin posted a clip of this podcast on her page and Sweet Nums commented on it. Always dot, 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 the high road. I heart emoji. You know, that's the thing about pilots. They're always taking the high road. See what Hmm. I did there? Thank you. Yeah, clever. Speaking of couples in Bachelor Nation news, Matt James and Rachel Kirkconnell are making headlines yet again in an interview with People magazine. James told the Bachelor Journal of Record that Kirkconnell issued him an ultimatum about putting in the necessary work to repair the relationship, and it served as the wake-up call he needed to do just that. The couple is officially back together and committed to making it work. We wish them happiness and success in their efforts to overcome the purposeful sabotage initiated by the producers over the course of season 25. If they can manage to stay together, will they take their rightful place alongside the only other bachelor to marry his ring winner, golden child Sean Lowe, and his wife, Catherine Giudici? Or will they forever be maligned in the eyes of the nation? Time will tell. (laughs) I gotta say, I didn't see it coming that the second Bachelor to marry his ring winner might be Matt James, but we shall see. This is perhaps the most surprising thing that has happened from season 25 to me. And that is saying something, because there was a lot (laughs) of shit that was very surprising about that season. Not the least of which was like, can we just for a moment not forget Rachel Kirkconnell almost fucking died in that season in yeah. service of a one-on-one date. The producers literally almost killed her. Bones were broken. Not hers, Which were they? were not seen. No, but the Oh, the instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was in the skydiving forums for a little while. <laughs> okay, I know some things. I did my research. That's definitely not part of the Venn diagram we overlapped I'm not, it's not in my Venn diagram either. I don't give a shit about skydiving. That was Bachelor. It wasn't skydiving. It was Bachelor. It was in the Venn sure. diagram. You are also interested in okay. skydiving by association. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway. Fine. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just saying that this shit is blowing my mind that they are working on this relationship. I mean, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. All no. the relationships you've been in, why you've broken up with people, whatever. Can you imagine this shit going through this? We were on national TV in the biggest racism scandal that has ever existed in the history of this show that has been on since 2002. The host got essentially excommunicated from the series. We had to then go on national TV, have a conversation about it where I'm telling you, my, I don't want my future kids to see that their mom was at a fucking old Southball and now they're working that shit out. Not to mention all the other nefarious shit that happened in season 25 with five players coming in, all the bullying, the fucking rumors, the sex work shit, all of that. And somehow you're like, yeah, let's make it work. Honestly, I don't know how you don't know this, but all of my relationships have ended in giant scandals. Oh, I didn't realize that. (laughs) So yeah, I, I relate. 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I find myself rooting for them. I want this to work very mm-hmm. badly because it's, for me, it's not about proof of concept or that the show can work or any of that. This will obviously work in spite of the show. For me, mm-hmm. this is a victory. If they can maintain this, if they can get married or wh- whatever version of like a long-term relationship works for them, whatever that is, if they can maintain that, it means, in my mind, it is a victory for players over producers. It's like, producers, you tried as hard as you fucking could to destroy us. Fuck you. It's not going to work. I feel like it's a victory for love and a positive thing to come out of this if they have a a happy relationship so i wish them well yeah that too but but then there's that secondary thing of it that's like all of this shit will always be attached to whatever their relationship is or however long it lasts will bachelor nation ever accept this as like a viable relationship or will it always be so tainted by everything that happened in season 25 that they are kind of like this they're seen as a kind of secondary successful couple behind Sean and Catherine, or even behind some of the BIP couples. I think they can spin it just in the same way that a lot of people who are into Olivia Rodrigo probably don't know she was a Disney Channel star. So too can they come out of this and uh, pivot. Maybe. I, I hope so. I really find myself... I don't ever get invested in these relationships. I don't care who ends up with who. I'm only interested in gameplay. This, though... I am interested mm-hmm. in this. I want this to happen. I want this to work. <laughs> I think it'll be like good for the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's in some way too. It's like at least metaphorically or symbolically, it is like it's a healing of that season because that season is so mm-hmm. fractured, so fucked up in every way. If this thing, this successful relationship can be like the one thing good that comes out of that season then it wasn't all for nothing. It wasn't just like a display of human torture for our entertainment. There was something that came out of it that was good. And I, I guess maybe to me that's like a part of why I wanted to succeed as well. Yeah, I guess we're different on the Venn diagram of that and that I do care about the relationships and get emotionally invested. <laughs> Speaking of people who are living in New York... A big happy birthday goes out to one of the most prominent members of the Big Apple crew, Kit Keenan. Keenan completed her 21st orbit around the sun on May 20th, and we wish her well. She begins her 22nd trip around the dying star at the center of our solar system. She was born (laughs) in 1999. 1999 was a great year. Matrix came out. Did you see it in theaters? Are you fucking kidding me? I saw it probably like Look 10 it. times in the movie theater. I saw it. Oh I saw it three God. times in one day. That movie. What? Sorry to go on a tangent. We're talking about Venn diagrams. That movie was revolutionary in virtually every way that a movie could be. It changed storytelling. It certainly changed special effects. And it's a progressive movie. The mm-hmm. Wachowski brothers wrote and directed it. They are now the Wachowski sisters. They are trans. And it's one of the biggest action movies ever made. It, it literally broke every box office record, blah, 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 all that kind of shit. So I say if you've never seen The Matrix, go out and check it out. It is well worth a watch. <laughs> the special effects 
don't quite hold up. And they even did a thing in it. They mm-hmm. created a new special effect that they called Bullet Time, where they had Keanu Reeves as the star of The Matrix. He plays a character called Neo. He is uh, dodging bullets. That's why they called it Bullet Time. And it is the shot that like goes around his body in a circle as he's dodging these bullets in slow motion. And in order to produce this shot, they made a device that is a series of like 100 cameras in a circle around him that take pictures in like a half second interval. Then they used a computer to go back in and stitch in the images that would have taken place in between those individual shots. This is all now something you can do like on your cell phone in five seconds. You know what I mean? In 1999, that shit was fucking mind-blowing. You couldn't believe they invented this. Anyway, sorry, 1999. Look, I love The Matrix too, and uh, happy birthday, Kit Keenan. (laughs) Yeah, you were born when I was on the day that I was watching that movie three times in a movie theater, probably. It's a great movie. Indeed. But that wraps up all the news for this week. Now we're going to move on to a little discussion about some of the plays our favorite players were making off the field. And speaking of cell phone technology, they were using their cell phones to make these plays. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by HP. Whenever you do your best thinking, the HP Spectre X360 is ready when inspiration strikes. With power save for battery life and focus mode to multitask, You can do your best thinking whenever and wherever it happens. You can't always schedule when and where you might have a brilliant thought, whether it's in the morning or before bed, when you're at your computer or away from it. Thinking can happen anywhere and anytime. The HP Spectre X360 2-in-1 convertible PC with Windows 10 saves battery life for whenever an idea hits you. HP Spectre X360, a more thoughtful laptop. This is the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. Our next crown, Katie Thurston, has continued to put out solid social media content this week, including some promos in which she is actually not wearing purple, but pink in front of a solid blue background. But we all know these colors combine to make purple. Mm. We won't be tricked. She also posted that there are now searchable Katie Thurston gifts on Instagram, which you can post on Instagram stories, in which she is wearing the purple skirt. She then made a main grid Instagram post today, preempting internet bullying that may be done by the fourth audience, the nation, to the players of her season as a result of manipulative editing by the third audience, the producers. 
In this post, she sits in a chair holding a rose, does her best parasocial gaze straight to camera. Caption reads, as I reminisce about my journey to find love, I can't help but get in my feels. You all are about to meet an incredible group of men with fascinating stories to tell. The vulnerability and strength these men show throughout our time together is something I'll cherish forever. They each hold a special place in my heart. That all being said, I am protective of them. I remember being on their side of this journey, being in the public eye for the first time, reading what people thought. Please remember to stay kind in this. You'll only get to see a glimpse of how extraordinary they really are. I can't wait for you to meet them. Tune in Monday, June 7th to watch The Bachelorette. This stay kind and be weary of the editing post was made four hours before this recording, has generated 80,000 likes, 424 comments. It begs the question, when these players start to receive bad edits, will Thurston reveal a different side of the story? Or is she contractually obligated to not contradict the stories that are told in the document? Time will tell. This is an interesting play, but I will say this. I get what she's doing here. She's trying to protect her guys, trying to protect her season. She doesn't want that toxicity that dominated season 25, especially from the nation, Mm -hmm. to enter into her season. And I'm hopeful that that won't be the case. But I'm just going to say this. I'm going to hearken back to March of last year. A player named Hannah Sluss, the only player ever in the history of our beloved game to receive five zero-point roses. She said, we knew what we signed up for. That's the Sluissian protocol. And every one of these guys knew what they signed up for. So whatever happens, happens. That is the nature of the game. You are going to receive a bad edit. You must assume that going in. Not every player does, obviously. Some are going to, though. And you have to assume it's going to be you, and that will then affect your play so that you may not be able to give them the footage they would need to give you a bad edit. You have to be aware of these things. So again, I get what she's trying to do here to protect her guys, protect her season. I think that's a valuable play. But eh, Mm -hmm. they know what they signed up for. You can't protect against the bad edit, really. That's up to the player. I don't think what she's saying here can help that at all we're gonna see some real bad edits that fucking promo of carl smith i'm just here for the followers holy shit (laughs) you got a bad edit in the promos yeah (laughs) very early there is no fucking protecting that but a good play here by katie thurston again to try and exert some kind of parasocial control over her upcoming season i love everything she's doing on social media i gotta say and i'm uh i'm looking very forward to see what she's what she's gonna do during the airing of her season. Speaking of someone whose parasocial plays I love, the next <laughs> parasocial play we want to highlight comes from the newly minted cringe king, Bennett Andrew Jordan. He made an Instagram post to his main grid featuring him and Dr. Joe Park sitting at an outdoor table looking directly into camera. At the top of the image is written the meme sentence, Hey girl, in white letters with a black outline, and the caption reads, If Joseph Park MD and I were a Hey Girl Ryan Gosling meme, what would it say? He then includes a couple of additional slides as examples of the Ryan Gosling Hey Girl meme from 2012, just in case his parasocial audience are confused by what memes he is referencing. While the post has 9,557 likes and 180 comments, we appreciated this 2010 cringe throwback from Jordan and always look forward to what he is going to do next. 
I made one of these fucking memes. I followed his instruction. Mm-hmm. I posted it to my Instagram account. That's great. It's mind-blowing. Wait, what was your caption? Oh, my caption said, Hey, girl, there are four components of emotional intelligence. You are deficient in three of the four. (laughs) 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 Throw back to his insult to young Noah Herb on season 16 of Bachelorette. But, I mean, it's just like he's trying so hard. That at this point, I'm really starting to believe this is all an elaborate piece of performance art. It can't be this cringe all the time. It can't. We are not on the same Venn diagram with this. I think it was <laughs> unintentional. I don't think you can do this kind of high quality intentional work. That's sweet. This I is mean, the thing. The inclusion, the inclusion of the sample memes that I don't have anything to do with anything. I. It blew my mind. I screamed. I was like, Clues has to see this. And the fact that this shit is like a, it's a decade old. This could not be less relevant. <laughs> I, I mean, but look, I'll just say this. My brain, that little switch in it that's like, this is intentional. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It just goes back and forth all day long. <laughs> as soon as he puts out something, I'm like, there's no fucking way he's not aware that this is way past its prime nobody's doing ryan gosling memes anymore and yet he's got two examples of it in there he's gonna make a revival oh fuck i just there is no more entertaining parasocial play for me right now than cringe king bennett jordan i love everything he does it it's just the most entertaining Mm -hmm. cringe that i've seen come out of the nation literally ever congrats on your almost weekly nomination bennett andrew jordan Our next nomination comes from a professional mustache player. Perhaps not the one you're thinking of. Deanie Babies. Deanie Babies and Kaylin Miller-Keys recreated one of their Bachelor in Paradise dates on an Instagram reel. The video includes footage of their original BIP date during which the pair held hands and Deanie Babies pretended to jump in a pool but faked out Kaylin Miller Keys and let her jump in alone. In this reel, they reverse roles and Deanie Babies jumps in alone. The caption reads, how it's going versus how it started. Two years later, and I had the privilege of returning to our first date spot with Kaylin Miller Keys to take a little walk down memory lane. We had a blast, but it turns out neither of us could be trusted. Arms up emoji. The reel has 127,000 likes, 355 comments. I thought it was very cute. Whimsical. For TRR. They're one of the best parasocial power couples that has ever lived. Everything they do is Mm -hmm. fucking perfect. I love this shit. Congratulations to Babies and Keys. Another play that is worth mentioning comes from our most recent crown, Tasha Adams. She posted a short reel to Instagram where she poses and dances in front of a projection of her Cosmopolitan Glam photo shoot spread, which has been displayed on the side of the Hearst Building in New York City. The song Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z and Alicia Keys plays in the background, and the caption reads, This is so surreal to me. Never did I think my life would be what it is today. I've recently been reminded to start my days with gratitude because although there can be tough days, there is so much to be thankful for. And this little moment was proof. I'm on the side of the hearse building, y'all. Ah! (laughs) Laughing squinting emoji. Thank you to a follower for tagging me in her stories while seeing this. I had no idea. Triple heart. 
Much love, y'all. Sparkle emoji. Thank you, Cosmopolitan. Blowing kiss emoji. It is short, simple, and somehow conveys extreme 4TRR despite being a person dancing in front of their own face, all of mirrors slash endless vortex of parasocial gazes. The reel has 2.1 million views, 230k likes. Big names in the nation like Ashley Iaconetti, Caitlin Bristow, The Sluss, Lauren Lyondike, and the Dark Seeker, Grace Ann Parks, have all commented. <laughs> Tasha's very good at social media. I, like any other person doing this, I think it would come off 4TWR, but she's nailing it. She is, as we know, more so in the health and beauty space. While these were all excellent parasocial plays, there can only be one winner. Our parasocial play of the week goes to... Floater extraordinaire just Dustin Kendrick and our 24th Bachelor Crown PP on their most recent episode of Bachelors in the City, during which PP responded to Kelly Flanagan's appearance on Chicks in the Office, PP and Kendrick closed out their episode with even more important content, an ominous ending. PP says, hey, Dusty. Dustin responds, yes, sir. Que paso? And PP says, what do you say we go to the pit? We don't know what this means exactly, but obviously a former crown slash former cringe king declaring his intentions to enter the pit is our winner, and we can't wait to see what comes of this. Is this the true rides of March? Time will tell. That does it for Parasocial Plays this week. And now we come to that portion of our program in which Pace Case and I descend deep into the bowels of the pit where we will issue our screams. This is... Screams from the Pit! I teased my scream a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. The scream, once again, has to do with Pokemon Go. <laughs> in <laughs> in the back and forth podcast plays this week by Kelly Flanagan and Popeye, one hugely important thing stood out to me. Pokemon. I misunderstood the conversation and thought they were talking about Pokemon Go instead of Pokemon cards, and I got excited. Then I learned PP and Kelly are into Pokemon cards. And I was devastated that we didn't share the exact same hobby. As you know, I play Pokemon Go pretty much every day. And now I have a million follow-up questions. What are their favorite Pokemon? Have they ever played Pokemon Go? Have they been into it since childhood? Or did something new happen to prompt this hobby? The Pit provides. I listened to this as well. And when they mentioned Pokemon, I thought of you. But also, like, thank you. I'm not going to shortchange myself here. At the height of my Pokemon mm-hmm. Go addiction, <laughs> I was playing it every fucking day. I would go to the Santa Monica Pier mm-hmm. almost every day and walk around till 3 a.m. collecting Pokemon. I hit level 40. I went to the fucking Pokemon Go Fest, the first one in Chicago that was a disaster. I was very into it as well. I think they have to have mm-hmm. played Pokemon Go at least once. If you're collecting cards, you're going to play Pokemon Go at least once. I'm sure they've tried it. I am on level 41, halfway to 42, so. How do you get level 41? They added new levels. They're very hard. Do you have to do special shit? 
or is it just is it just experience or do you have to do special no it's quests? experience and you have to do all this crazy shit okay but oh god i can feel the old itch i gotta stop having this conversation uh, <laughs> oh god oh god <laughs> i think you know if it just makes you take walks there's nothing wrong with that yeah but it's not going to make me take walks, especially if there's shit I got to do to I hit know, level you don't 41. don't do anything in moderation. <laughs> Why? Why would you? Mental health. Mm. Et cetera. Mm, whatever. <laughs> anyway, that's my scream. I almost share the same hobby as Kelly and PP. <laughs> I did play. I did have cards. And now that you told me they're worth a lot of money, I am now trying to make my parents look for them. Nice. I wonder if you have any of the, the expensive ones. Probably not, but time will tell. Time will tell. Well, you know, um, your Scream from the Pit had to do with Pokemon. Mine does not. Hmm. Mine has to do with a special project that required some extra research over this weekend. I found myself needing to rewatch a season to do a little bit of a detailed analysis of some plays and some things that happened in it. And when I sat down to do this, it was Saturday morning when I began this process. And I was like, eh, I don't need to watch the whole season. I can just jump around to the moments that are important to the data I'm collecting. Mm-hmm. So I sit down and I queue it up. And I'm like, the limo exits are important for the data. So I'll just watch those, including I needed to know the order of them, where certain players came out of the limos. So I was like, well, I'll just watch all the limo exits and take that down. I'll just do that. And so I start mm-hmm. watching it. And I am doing it on two times speed. I am hypering. And Well, that's good. I just, I didn't stop watching it. I didn't jump around at all. Once I watched about three limo exits, mm-hmm. I was like, Mm, I'm just going to watch this whole episode. The whole night one is important. I'll just watch that whole episode. Oh, no. So I did it. I mean, it wasn't even a fucking slope. I just started at the bottom of the mountain and stayed there. I fucking watched every episode of this season back to back to back to back in about a... How long did this take you? It was about a 13, 14 hour period. It it was the entirety of the day into the night of Saturday. And then I woke up and completed it Sunday, finished up somewhere in the middle of the afternoon. Watched the entire fucking season. Fucking loved it. It was, I don't know how to describe it. I've never done heroin, but I assume it was something like that. It just fucking, it got into me. And I was like, I want to be hyper binging again. I need to be hyper binging again. It didn't even like satisfy me. I almost like at the end of it, I was like, fuck, should I just do another season for fun? And not even record the data, just hyper binge another fucking season just to watch it. Cause it oh is, my gosh. there is something to me so fucking, it's not even pleasure. It's just like, it's fulfilling to be able to see a whole season that quickly and really see the story of the season, you know, the big pieces of it and like what players mm-hmm. were doing that were massively influential or what game mechanics were happening that you were just like, oh, fuck yeah that happened in that season and that altered that and to see then what you know how it reverberates through the the structure of the game in history i was just like fuck it just felt so good to be hyper binging again 
and now I realize that, um, you know, that's crazy. But uh, <laughs> I don't care. I loved it. I loved no, it. No, I think comparing watching The Bachelor to heroin is very, very fun. <laughs> but it's something about like, I don't have that same experience when we're in season because we're like watching every week. There's something specifically about the hyper binge. That process mm-hmm. of watching it at two times speed, just straight fucking through, like mainlining it. You just get so much more information out of it because contextually you're able to like really see. It's like watching a long movie, you know, almost. It's it's a little different, I guess, because I'm also typing into a spreadsheet and taking thousands of pages of notes. So it's a little different, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, watching a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's how I watch movies. I watched well, Cats like that, what actually. you did at the Matrix, right? I did it at Cats. I had seen Cats maybe four or five times in the movie theater, and on the whatever it was, fifth or sixth time, I brought a notebook. You did it at Cats. You brought a notebook for what? To record everything that happened in every scene. For why? Just to study it, my own purposes. Okay, no more follow up questions. Okay. <laughs> Good lord. I also have to collect the same data that Clues is talking about, and I'm like, I wonder what it's going to be like for me. I wonder if I'm going to be able to pick out the data that I need. I probably will have to. But when you're saying the limo exits, I'm like, well, I do really want to watch all the limo exits. So. And I yeah. will also say this. Now that we... Like, one thing that happened as the result of our the first hyper binge every season of The Bachelor, we came up with our the kind of language that we use to describe the game, all the different statistical categories, Mm -hmm. how we record those and all that kind of stuff. And I think at least in the beginning of it, there was a little bit of a ramp up of figuring that language out, how we were going to do it, what was the most efficient way, how we could both be in the same document at the same time, all that shit. Now that that is like pretty much, I think perfected, it's much easier because you're already watching it with that language in mind. You're describing it even to yourself as you're watching it in that language. And it's just like, I don't know. It's a a very fulfilling experience to me to be able to just fucking pull that straight out of the document to watch it in a day and a half and just be like, here's the valuable information. This is the fundamental stuff we need to know. I don't know. I I just see it differently. What was the valuable information that you extracted from cats? Oh my God. Judy Dent shows her butthole. That was interesting. (laughs) Um, All of the different like Taylor Swift they gave her like big boobs, but other cats don't have big boobs. Um, that's weird. Mm. The tails are all like very phallic. That's weird. There's a scene with Rebel Wilson where she is a cat wearing like clothes. And then at a certain point, she unzips herself, like her flesh, and steps out of it. And she's the same cat, just not wearing clothes now. No clothes. Correct. <laughs> I mean, Idris Alba's performance in all of it is bananas. You got to see that movie if you've never seen it. Yeah. It's a unique piece of media. Nothing like it has ever been made in the history of cinema, ever. This is a movie, millions and millions and millions of dollars were spent on it. Fucking high-end crazy special effects. A-list talent throughout. Every one of the actors in this movie believes they're going to get an Oscar for it. That's the level of performance they're Mm. attempting to deliver. Instead, the exact opposite is going to happen. (laughs) It's going to be the worst piece of shit any of these actors have ever done. 
Uh, God, it's fascinating. I highly recommend everyone should see Cats and The Matrix. All right, I'll watch Cats and I'll and I'll update you. All right. No notebook though. I got notes if you want to look at them. But <laughs> that is it. That is our show for today. Thank you very much for joining us for this week in Bachelor Nation, for listening to our screams, for listening to our parasocial plays, all that beautiful news, everything we were talking about with the new voice of Gen Z, Olivia Rodrigo. Can't wait to see what she plays in Cats too. There is probably never going to be a studio produced Cats 2, but once we get to procedurally generated media for individual users, I'm going to produce Cats 2 through 1 billion, so get ready. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) That is correct. Um, Pitt, we have a lot of very exciting things coming up on the docket that I think you're going to like. The first of which will be our next Patreon episode, which will be a digging deeper. Spoiler alert. We're going to dig deep. There were some huge podcasts that came out in the past two weeks, and we are going to be taking the most interesting tids from some of those and really analyzing them. So tune in for that on Monday. Then, of course, we will be back Tuesday of next week to talk about night one, the structure of it, the beautiful things that happen on night one the almost impossible odds that players have to overcome on night one and everything you should be looking for on june 7th as 32 how many men are stepping out of the fucking limo do we know i don't depends how many are in that present (laughs) (laughs) all right 30 something everything you should be looking for for them and uh we are looking very forward to it but as always before we go what is that dwab at? It has been 7,002 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Hey, Cluzy. Yes, sir. Que paso? What do you say we go to the city? Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.